0: Welcome to history.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Checkered Pass podcast. We're here in the Double Alt Injury Lawyers studio presented by Auto Bank and RV Sales and Services. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you, Steve? I'm doing well. Uh, you had your little adventure down in Florence this weekend, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. I went, and hung out. They had their season opener this weekend. Had the Smart Modified Tour down there and ledges, Bandos. There are some of their other support divisions. So how did things go? We good. We had a little brawl in the tech shed, and, but other than that, everything went smooth. You know,
1: I did hear or read or something about a little brawl. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
0: don't. I, I don't know what started. We just looked down, and all of a sudden punches are being thrown and. Bodies were flying in the tech
1: shed. It seems to happen in Florence quite yeah. often.
0: And then man was escorted out in handcuffs.
1: Oh, poor fella. Yeah, I know. I hope Bubba done him some good that yeah, night.
0: Yeah, I mean, he come to the Racetrack to have fun, he left in handcuffs. <laughs>
1: that was not too good. Oh. Glad to be back. Sorry we missed last week. Um, Had a little technical difficulties, per se, on uh, traveling to get here with our guest, uh, Mr. Zacharias. Maybe we can try it again at a later date. Yeah. Or... um go to him yeah one of the way we'll figure it out yeah we'll do that um for you folks who's been asking and it's been a hot topic in the upstate here lately about our famed greenville picking speedway um just keep tuned in we've got some good news in the in the pipes uh it's it's going to be open um come hell or high water per se so uh just just stay tuned We'll have some news here here real soon about the the future of it, at least for now and, you know, this year. We'll see how things go. But um, we're going to get into the, the Victory Devotion brought to you by Morgan Motor Company.
2: Is buying a car something you don't look forward to because of the high-pressure salespeople? Don't let yourself be pressured. When you contact Morgan Motor Company Incorporated, you always deal with a Morgan. This means no high-pressure sales pitch, no high overhead costs that's passed down to you, and savings you can bet on. Morgan Motor Company has been serving the upstate of South Carolina for over 60 years. Give them a call today, 864-242-6684, or visit Morgan Motor Company and see how they can save you money and tell them the guys from a Checker Pass podcast sent you.
1: Welcome in, Dale. Um, I'd like to start out by saying... Thank you for the prayer walk Saturday. Well, uh,
3: I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I want to thank everybody that came out. I think there were fifteen people, so it, a lot of people were tied up, had prior commitments, but it it was good. It's good to see everybody. Hadn't, don't get to see them near enough, especially in the off season. Yeah, that's the truth.
1: Uh, it was it was good. I know there was a lot of car shows in the uh, area over the weekend too, so people were pretty busy. But um, it was good to. That was my first attendance, and. I'm ashamed to say that I haven't been to any, but I'd
3: like to have been down on the track to. Yeah, well, we always usually just walked around the track and prayed wherever, and it was always it was always a good time. I mean, just connecting with people. Absolutely. So. What do you have for us today? The devotion tonight is called "The Path to Maturity." First Peter five ten provides a very critical principle for those times when we are going through trials. A principle that is easy to miss. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You need to realize that even though God did not initiate your trouble, he can still use it to work something good in you. What the devil means for evil, God can turn into something good. Struggles and problems are part of racing. The elusive perfect handling car is hard to find. And when you finally get that perfect feel, something like a wreck can happen that takes it away and you have to start all over again. Or when a race progresses, the tire pressures come up, the car can get real loose or too tight. When fuel is consumed during a race, the weight percentages will change too. Win or lose, you learn something every time you race. The next time you will know better what adjustments to make to compensate for those changes. Even though the devil's purpose is to destroy you, if you will respond correctly, God can work good things. Notice the verse says, after you have suffered a short season, God will perfect. It brings maturity to you. While we might hate it, how we respond in times of trial makes us who we are, and it fits us to accomplish God's will. I hate some of the things I have gone through, but you know what? I would not be who I am had I not experienced those things. It has fitted me to do the will of God. And while it may not seem like it, your present difficulty may be instrumental in your future success. It reminds me of a guy who was shipwrecked on a desert island. One day he decided to go across the island for food. When he got to the other side, he looked back and saw a plume of smoke in the sky. He ran back only to find that his shack had burnt to the ground. It stung him to the core, except the next morning a ship arrived and rescued him. When he asked the sailors, how do you know I was here? And they said, we saw your smoke signals. So your present troubles just may be feeding you for something you would never expect. Let us pray. Lord, none of us want trials in our lives, but it is through those times that you teach us. We learn through tough times when we have done everything we know to do. Finally, we, we realize we just need to bring our problems to you and lay them at your feet. You are a faithful God and you will never leave us. Help us learn that the difficulties we face in life and racing make us stronger. Give us the strength to admit we need you in our lives. Thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Let us not forget that with you we can be assured to know victory in Jesus holy name. i pray amen
1: amen thank you Dale
3: always good to
1: to hear your devotions. We appreciate you so Mark we've got us uh we've got us a local icon in local racing uh uh mr mr uh chuck head he's uh i think he's done a little bit of everything that i know of around greenville Pickens and anderson speedway he's i think he's done everything but on the places
0: yeah like i oh. say so he, he's an upstate icon racetracks asphalt dirt grass it doesn't matter all you need to know chuck in the truck people automatically know who you're talking about
1: you got that right i've come to know chuck uh, over the past few years and think highly of him and uh, he's always a blessing to Come up and speak to us at the track. So, uh, Chuck. With that being said, welcome to our show.
4: Thank you. Proud to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to see more people love racing like I do. So, it's something I've been doing for a long, long time. Forty, almost forty-eight years, I think. Wow started out at a little old track down in Fountain Inn called Golden Strip Speedway, went down there a couple of weeks and watched a race, and the little boy that was lining up the race cars and everything like that got kind of frustrated with a few of the drivers, and he said, I wish I could find somebody to do this job. I said, what's it pay? He said, $25 and whatever hot dogs are left. <laughs> Good Lord. So I went and talked to Jack Suttles and started lining up race cars. Well,
1: would, would, would the boy lining them up be Jackie. No, it
4: wasn't Jackie. No, I knew Jackie real well, and, you know, Jackie and I became real good friends after working down there for a while. And, like I said, I was lining up race cars and all, and then Eddie Childers come to me about after two years of lining up race cars and wanted to know if I'd be interested in flagging. And I said, well, yeah. And started my flagging career then at Golden Trish Speedway. And been I hate to say to most of the dirt tracks that have closed up, I flagged their last race and everything, so. I hope that don't happen at Greenville Pickens and all. And I told Andrew that down at Anderson the other day, and he said, well, you keep your button to the up truck. We don't <laughs> want you in the flag stands. So. No doubt. But, yeah, it's it's been a – you know, I, I look back at a lot of it and everything like that, and Fountain Inn, you know, I guess gave me the start that I needed and made me the person I am today and all like that because that was where a track you went to a fight and hoped that a race broke out.
1: I have always heard that. My dad – um you know, my grandfather raced there, and then Dad raced there when I was a kid, and and he he had told me that Jack Suttles had barred Greenville County from being there at yeah. one time.
4: Well, Jack told I told Jack I said Jack, you better get your police officers back down here, and he said Chuck, he said you don't need them. He said because if you're gonna start a fight, you better know you can whip that man because ain't no cop gonna break you up. So yeah. and that kept it down. I mean, it it did, so. and even Rupert. You know, I started out flagging with Jack down there and everything, and then I moved to Anderson when it was dirt. I flagged it when it was dirt and everything like that and kind of been to, like I said, just about any track has been here in the upstate. I flagged Riverside, flagged I-85, flagged Windy Hill, Travelers Rest, uh, actually got to go up to Lawndale, North Carolina, to Thunder Valley Racetrack and flagged it for two weeks while the was on a cruise and everything like that. I flagged Sugar Creek, I flagged... Uh, Confederate Motor Speedway in Woodruff. I was about to
1: ask that. Yeah,
4: yeah, that's the only, only track that I can really, really remember because I had a little incident that happened there down there. And Well, tell us about it. Well, I don't know. A lot of people know Doug Osteen. I've heard the name. Pretty, pretty good-sized fella and everything like that.
2: Hey, everyone. This is Crystal with the Checker Pass Podcast. Wanted to take a second and give a shout-out to our official apparel provider, Black Acid Racing Apparel. Do you need some shirts printed, maybe some custom hats? Give Black Acid Apparel a call. Black Acid Apparel is a custom apparel company specializing in direct-to-garment printing. There is no minimum order required, and they produce high-quality projects, whether it's for racing, business, an event, or anything else. Like I said, Black Acid Apparel has your back. Black Acid Apparel, your choice for custom apparel and the official apparel of... a checkered past podcast
1: for all your handyman needs call robert or hall with hall's all hands on decks 864-213-7502 no job is too small or too big from fixing water lines to building decks even minor roof repair and everything in between again that number is 864-213-7502 Call today and tell Robert that you heard it on the Checkered Pass podcast. And check those fellas out on your local Speedway, Anderson or Greenville. Woohoo Racing, Joshua Thomason and Robert Hall. Hall's all hands on deck. Have you been driving around town and got into a little fender bender and now you need your car repaired? Look no further. Go talk to Blake Jeter at Powdersville Collision Repair, located at 415 Three Bridges Road in Powdersville. He specializes in insurance and auto body repairs. That address again is 415 Three Bridges Road in Powdersville. Check out Powdersville Collision Repair and, and tell Blake the guys from a Checkered Pass podcast sent you.
4: got the track set up to run and everything like that and called me and asked me if I'd come down there and flag for him. And I said, yeah. Went down there, and one night Doug Osteen was out there and everything like that, and him and Wally Fowler got together in the heat race, and he spun Wally out out under caution. And my thing is to the drivers, you know, I always told them, you know, fellas, let's don't hit under caution, let's don't hit after the race. You know, I like to be, I know how much time and money and work goes into these race cars. And I had to black flag, Doug Osteen, so he wasn't gonna get off a track. So in my younger days I was known to come down out of the flag stand and talk to the drivers a little bit. And I could come down out of the flag stand and I went walking back here towards his car and he come out one leg at a time. And I'm sitting there looking up, he takes his helmet off and I'm saying, Oh Lord, I'm fixing to get my butt whooped in front of all these people <laughs> He come up here, he said, Chuck, he said, That ain't right And I said, No, hitting a man under caution ain't right, Doug. You just this you black flag for the heat race. You can come back and run the main event and everything like that. He goes over there, and then him and Wally, I think, get into a different kind of discussion about it and all like that. So Wally came back out and run. Doug didn't. But then you hear the scary stories about things that Doug Ghostin had done. He's a little on the crazy side, but huh. he, like I said, he's a big old fella. And I'm sitting there looking up at him, and <laughs> I said, "I'm fixing to get my butt whooped in front of all these people." So. Wow! But nothing ever came of it. And that's one thing I got to say is, you know, I can walk up to drivers today that I black flagged many, many, many years ago and shake their hand and talk to them and all, because I try to talk to people like that. Treat them with respect, and you get respect. And it's kind of hard. You know, I've, I've known so many promoters and everything try to hoodoo drivers and all like that. You can't beat the competition and the track at the same time and all like that, and you got to try to beat them fair. Back in the old days, the flagmen held the driver's meeting, kept up with all the cars, how many laps was run and all that stuff, because, you know, electronics is taking all that over now and makes it a little bit easier, but... It was it was a lot of stuff going on at any time at any track and all so.
1: I think it's always good to have the flagman hold a driver's meeting, yeah. you know, kinda of makes it more personal, you know, so the drivers will know who who, we, who you are and, and know what you mean. I mean. Well,
4: and and the thing is, you know, I've always felt that if I hold a driver's meeting, what I say in a driver's meeting goes that night. Now the promoter might want to change something. But you change it next week. Don't change it. When I tell these boys we're going to do it this way tonight, that's the way it's got to go. Yeah, and because you got to be fair to everybody. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've made my mistakes as a flagman. I can remember uh, throwing a white flag a lap early or something for Roger Alltop one time in a little Vega. He was driving. He'd already took his seatbelts out, and somehow he got worried that it was another lap to go, and he come back. He still won the race. So but <laughs> it was, you know, you, you make mistakes. We're all human. Huh. You can make them, but I try to live up to my mistakes. Like I said, if I'm, if I, I, what I don't want to do is somebody get hurt, and my mm-hmm. big thing is the safety. Like I said, you don't hit under caution. You don't hit after the race. I've actually quit flagging two racetracks because of something like that. Rupert Porter one time wanted me to throw a caution. Donnie Bishop was leading the race, and Terry Davis was running close behind him. I know what Rupert wanted. He wanted to get some concrete work from Terry Davis and all, and he said, throw the caution, throw the caution. I, I didn't throw the caution. I, you know, I don't like competition cautions, you know, unless you know it's going to be a competition caution at 50 then you expect it. But any other time, you know, it's, it's not fair to the guy leading the race and all like that. Yeah. And I, I went up there to get my pay at the end of the night and all like that, and he said, why didn't you throw the caution when I told you to? And I said, Rupert, there wasn't no need to throw the caution. There wasn't nothing wrong. Well, whenever you work for me, you do what I tell you to do. I said, okay, I don't flag no more. Yeah, I'm I done. quit. I quit. And Marion and Limbaugh took over and then and everything like that. And then Rupert called me back about two weeks later, and I said, Rupert, I'm sorry, I can't flag for you because I can't, I can't do it that way. You know, you got to be fair to everybody like that. And he said, no. He said, my police officer's done quit. I need somebody to help me down there in the pits with the drivers. <laughs> and you're pretty good with the drivers. So, so okay. I said, okay. I went back to work for him doing that and all, lining up <laughs> race cars. And like I said, done about everything down there, helping in the concession stands and all and everything. I love Anderson Motor Speedway. I love Sylvia Porter. You know, she does a heck of a job for a young lady that, who's – I don't think her heart's – well, her heart's in the racetrack like her daddy's was, but I don't think into it, it's in the racing because it's got to be a headache for her yeah. for the time and hours that she puts into it and what she gets out of it. So, But she's doing a heck of a job.
1: So. And she's always – she's always has a, her phone if you call her, no matter when. And Exactly. And she, she spends more time – Working out the
4: little things with other people and all like that. You know, she's, just like I went down there to practice, flag practice for a Saturday. She said, 1 o'clock, I get there about 11.30, and the cars are already on the track. And I said, you got to quit giving in to them. You yeah, know, you tell stick them Stick to no. your time. Tell them no. But then I found out Jeff Harbin's the one that let Ralph Karn, I think he rented the track for a little bit. So uh, he was down there with his car practicing and all. So, Now, she does a heck of a job and all, and I've worked for some very, very good promoters and everything like that. And made a god, I don't know how many friends I've made at racetracks and everything like that.
1: Well, you're a good fellow. I mean, I, I try to be so. I haven't heard anybody have anything bad to say.
4: Well, you know, if, if you don't consider me a friend, then that's your problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. the way I look at it. So, oh, the, yeah. I try to be, you know, like I said, fair to anybody and everybody. I've been in some, you know, situations. At racetracks like you always do, especially at dirt tracks and everything like that. I love dirt track racing, or I did love it. I don't like cleaning my vehicles up so much afterwards and going home and taking four or five showers, but you all are fixing to get into that. So. <laughs> uh, hopefully a one-race deal. I'm praying. Or either I'm going
1: to hire some young guns to go with the old man because I don't want to do it. There you go.
4: It's, I love watching dirt racing you know, and everything like that. I remember when I was a little kid, I'm from, was from Virginia, and I actually grew up on Walton's Mountain, the real Walton's Mountain. I went to kindergarten in what is the, or kindergarten and first grade, in what is now the Walton's Mountain Museum. Oh. That's where my family's from and all, and I had an uncle that loved to go to dirt races in a place called Waynesboro, it was up on top of the mountains, and we'd go collect these little tops off of the cans and the bottle caps and all like that, and take them to the store, and a guy would give us some money, and we'd get a ticket to go watch a race and everything like that, and that's when they raced, you know, these old open wheel cars and everything, and. Long, long time ago, so, but it was, I guess that's where I got to start of liking it and all, but like I said, going down there to Fountain Inn and starting, and then, you know, like I said, worked Riverside for several promoters, Tommy Norris.
1: uh Tommy Norris. Yeah. You got to tell me that one. I didn't yeah. know that he, one. He ran
4: the racetrack for a little bit. I had no idea. Yeah, he ran it for a while, and in, in fact, he got... Got in trouble one night. One night I didn't flag. I had Brian up there, my son, flagging, <laughs> and of course it was the sprint cars. Oh, I w- Already made plans for a vacation, and that's something you know that's hard to do with any kind of racing. People, if you work at a racetrack, you're committed to the racetrack for that time frame, and if you're driving race cars, you know you've got a commitment to it. And they had the sprint cars that scheduled a special race to come in, and I'd already made plans to go to Florida with my wife. So Brian flagged that race and all like that, and then. Curtis Limbaugh come up here or something was saying something to Tommy and Tommy cold cocked him, got locked up for it. <laughs> I think wow. he went to a court thing and all broke, <laughs> broke his jaw, didn't he? Brian so,
1: "Yeah." Oh, old Tommy's a trip.
4: Yeah, but Tommy Norris, uh, God, I can't think of who else has run. Huh? I watch uh, L- team. Curtis teams. So worked for him. In fact, that's the other track I got. I quit on was Harris Motor Speedway. I was working for Harris and William Teams come around here one night and took out one of the Burgess boys, after the race, put him in the wall. So I black flagged him. And Curtis says, you know, William said, you can't black flag me. I'm family. I don't have no family to races, buddy. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't. You're mm. black flagged. You won't get paid for tonight. Curtis can do what he wants to do. Curtis calls me the next day and everything like that. And he says, well, we need to talk about this. And I said, no, we don't need to talk about it. I said, in the driver's meeting, no contact to be made after the race. I mean, he messed a man's car up and then tried to tell me. He said, I just went to congratulate him. No, you walk up to victory lane and shake the man's hand. You don't yeah. don't wreck his race car. And Curtis says, well, maybe we need to do something different. And I said, well, if you want somebody to cheat for you, you need somebody different, not me. So, and I left.
2: Are you looking for someone to do a dreaded painting project? I'm talking about residential and or commercial. Look no further and contact Maccabee Painting. These guys have been around for 15 years with 29 years of experience. The owner, Benji, is a third-generation painter and knows his stuff. They can also take care of all of your pressure washing needs or deck repairs and staining. Again, if you're looking for someone to come and do an amazing painting job, either residential or commercial, if you got pressure washing needs or you just need your deck repaired and stained, call Maccabees Painting at 864-395-9744. Not a jack of a lot of trades, but definitely a master of one. Again, that number is 864 864- 395-9744 and tell them that the guys from a checkered Pass podcast sent you
1: for all your automotive and heavy equipment foreign and domestic alternators and starter needs contact jeans alternator and starter tell them that you heard about it on the checkered Pass podcast give them a call at 864-246-3036 it's jeans alternator and starter Ever went back to Harris. Uh, but. I like that mentality. That's the way it should be. Well,
4: it, it, it ought to be. I mean, you know, when you get to know these guys and know all you race car drivers and all like that, the time and the money and the stuff that y'all are putting into this stuff, it's a lot. I've seen people come to race tracks that I know couldn't afford to race. You know, we're taking money off the table for groceries for kids and all. Some people pulling a race car that looks better than their tow vehicle and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, really can't afford a tow vehicle. And then I've seen. I know we had one guy at Fountain Inn one time. Boy, he had a beautiful roll cage in the car, and we got to looking at it and all. And he had that Armor flex insulation on it and everything like that. And we started peeling it back, and there's a PVC pipe. I said, I can't believe you do something like that. You know, your butt sitting in that seat. Yeah, how much do you like yourself? <laughs> yeah. And then we had even had a gentleman, Urban Rooker, down there at Fountain Inn one time. Was in a hurry to get into a race car. Come there to race car. Race car looked good and all. He had his seat belts. Riveted to the floor. Went wow. out over turns one and two over that big old bank upside down and was in a wheelchair the rest of his life as long as he lived and everything. Wow. So,
1: yeah. Was that there's been a video circulating on Facebook of about somebody flipping off? I would assume it's one and two. Yeah. Where Speedway Drive. Yeah. And Don Caps not Don. Uh,
4: Don Caps was there cussing with Jack Suttles yes. because his car hung in a tree.
1: Yes. oh Goob
4: Waddell got a Nova hung in a tree, and <laughs> he's out there with chainsaws trying to cut it out. The Fountain Inn was a, a different kind of track. I mean, you didn't have any inside walls or anything like that. You had that dirt bank, and then one and two was a big old bank, and you had Frankie Long, the record service. Living down there in a trailer right outside one and two with a swimming pool set up that was just <laughs> as red muddy as it could be after every Saturday night race. Had him a
1: pond. Yeah. I know uh, my dad told us, and this was back, I, I would say, I don't remember when Fountain Inn was open. I mean, when they, you know, it was back in the 60s, I guess. Yeah. But bef- when, the, when the blacks were, you know, they had to sit in the colored section, yep. as they called yep. it. And dad always told us a story about when he would sit on the infield, and when they would drop the green and come off a of turn two is where they were, that all of the kids had mud balls. And when <laughs> when they would come by, they would, you know, throw them. in mud <laughs> mud clogs over into the colored section. Yeah. And, uh, just being little brats, but that was uh, crazy times for sure.
4: Yeah, that was that, – uh, Jack Suttles, you know, had a very unique thing. And I think, you know, a lot of people didn't understand why – he raced as like he did with race, especially after losing a son down there one night in Auburn. Scotty got killed. Some guy was loading the race car and it hit him and killed him and everything like that. And Jack and his wife ended up getting divorced because of that and everything like that because it was it was hard. And but Jack just, you know, he knew Scotty loved that racetrack and everything like that until Jack passed away last year. I think it was. Yeah. And everything. So.
1: Yeah, he was. What was he? Was he quite ninety?
4: Was he? He was. I think he just had turned ninety. Yeah, thinking so. And but Jack was a man. You know, if he didn't make the money on ticket sales, he would write a check to make sure the purse was paid and everything really? like that. And he would he would take it out. You know what he didn't have. Well, he he had it. Jack retired from Coca Cola. He had.
1: That's what I was going to ask. He had some kind of Coca Cola. Yeah, he
4: he was a big wig with Coca Cola and had a bunch of stock in Coca Cola. So Jack Jack had plenty of money. But like I said, Jackie and I became real good friends. We used to all hang out at. uh, Buddy had a gas station on Wade Hampton Boulevard, Ed's 66. We called him Bubba. And we'd all go up there and hang out at the gas station. And Bubba went to Rockingham one time to the race and everything like that. And come back and he got charged with DUI and everything that cost him about $8,000 to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So he come to me, and he said, Chuck, he said, you don't drink? You love racing? I said, yeah, I don't, don't drink. I had a customized man at the time where we could haul some people. So there was about six of us. Bubba said, I'll buy you a ticket. I'll buy you meals. I'll pay for your gas. You just drive us to the racing and back. And first race I went to was in Darlington. Tim Richmond won it. And I left a racetrack with rubber stuck to my face because I stood up there next to the fence the whole time. there was racing, son. That's, I loved it. So,
1: I bet that was cool.
4: It was, and it it was you know it's a whole lot different then than it is now. I mean, they really I think really messed it up nowadays. But, yeah, we went to Talladega. We went to every every race on the East Coast, huh. and I drive them there and get them back. You know, we'd <laughs> go up there and stay. So, I've even got a uh, one of the handouts that they give out at Rockingham one year. Harry Gann had won, and I had climbed the fence on the inside, on the grandstand side, climbed the fence up there, and I was leaning over the fence and watching him come to the checkered flag and everything.
1: So
4: that's when you had race car drivers from race car drivers. Real men. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not these little colorful clowns that they have in them. Brian
4: would go with me one time and all, and I remember we went up to Charlotte. Me and Brian did one time. And I got to looking for him, and I couldn't find him. We went down into the pits afterwards because then you could go down and talk to the people and all like that. And I look around. He's over there with Chocolate Myers, getting gloves. Here he come walking with a windshield out of Richard Petty's car and stuff, and <laughs> all kind of stuff.
1: And that was when they had real glass. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: And then we took in went to Bristol one time, and I'm, we got down. We got there late, so we ended up sitting on the bottom of the tower where the cameras were mounted and all like that. I was watching it, and we got after the race. We walked back down into the pits and all again. And I get looking for him. And he's over there guiding them. one of the race car drivers back out of the trailer with the car and all. So. But he's, yeah, he's he's been through a lot of it with me and all. Like I said, he flagged some races and flagged some go-kart races and everything like that. And we took about a, a year, I think it was, and decided we was going to do some little motorcycle racing. So I went and bought me a three-wheeler Honda and bought him a little four-wheeler Honda, and we'd been playing with him and all like that. And then Riverside had that little motocross track up there in the infield. We went up there, and I think I made one lap to his five laps on that three-wheeler. He'd beat me to death. And I said, oh, I'm out of him. this. Uh, we had a guy named J.R. that was out of North Carolina that did a bunch of monster truck shows, and they wanted to run ATVs in between them and everything like that. And we got tied up with him at the North Carolina Ag Center. So and then I took and went up to... Somewhere up in Hendersonville, and bought him a little Odd Sport 80 Suzuki with shocks and all that on it. So he was four years old out there racing motorcycles and stuff. And we went all over the place for one year, wasn't it? And he actually won the name of the series, was named National Association of Motorsports. And he actually won the championship by one point in that thing there. But I remember going to Darlington with him. We went down there to a track, and they had a thing called the Pepsi Cola Pit. You went off down in a hole It was about th- 45 feet deep and then came up the other side, and he went off in the hole, and I never did see him come out. <laughs> I had to go running out there to get him. But we went to North Carolina uh, all over the place racing for one year for trophies and all like that, but had a blast doing it. And all. He was sitting there, couldn't even write his name, and my daughter would take me. We'd made pictures of him going over one of the tabletops and all like that where he was in the air a little bit, and he would scribble something on there like it was his name, <laughs> signing autographs and
1: all. Famous.
4: Yeah. So, uh, there. No, Bigfoot. Yeah, up at the Ag Center, JR come up there and said, I want that little young in the race that monster truck and I said, uh no, that thing's a whole lot bigger. I'm sitting there, Brian's on that little quad I can do it, Daddy, I can do it, Daddy, I can do it. <laughs> sitting there and sitting there and got ready to go and all like that and I said, Well, let him start in front of the cars and let Bigfoot start back here on the backside of them cars. And all that light went green, and all I heard was R And he went across the cars, cleared the first two cars that he had to jump, and then here come Bigfoot. And I, after that was over, I said, "No more." Uh-uh. One <laughs> of them tires comes off of that truck; it's gone. Yeah, so, uh, but he up. actually beat Bigfoot to, <laughs> on a Quad Sport eighty. Wow! But yeah, it was
1: sometimes. Well, um, when when you were at Riverside, and you said I eighty five. Did were you were you up there flagging when Robin Darnell was racing as a kid? Yes, yeah, I I've been very fortunate
4: to see a lot of very famous dirt drivers. You know, Mike Duval, Jack Pennington, and all like that racing and everything like that. And actually got to flag some of them. And Mike Duval, you know, was a super good guy before he got saved and all like that. He was a rough one. He, he liked to fight and all that stuff, he got saved. And I remember, I think it was a shrine race at Riverside. He was up there and all like that, and Jack Pennington and all of them was running. They had Richard Petty and all of them walking around the stands and everything like that. And he sat there, we got to racing and all, and Jack Pennington got into him on the first lap, spun him out. He went to the rear and everything like that. And he sat there, and he'd come all the way back through the field, and one lap to go, he was in second place behind Jack Pennington. Went into turns one and two, and he caught Jack Pennington in the quarter panel and turned him. I went down there, and I like to congratulate the drivers after you win, because if you win, you've done something. You beat the best that year is that night. Yeah. And I went down there to shake Mike's hand and everything like that. and Mike said Chuck. He said, He said, I'm a saved man. I said, he said, I know you probably think he was wrong, but God told me to take him out. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He didn't come back and won, but, you know, he was he, after he got saved and everything like that. He was a, he was a super good guy. Well, he was before. You know, he could drive a race car. He could drive about anything. But, you know, I've had him. You've had uh, Roger Hamrick and all those boys from I-85. I-85 was a beautiful track, half mile, super nice clay on it and everything like that. I think Ronnie Strange built it, the uh, same one that built Riverside. Now here he's working on Buffalo. Really? So, yeah. Buffalo is going to open up this year, and Ronnie Strange is paying the purse. So wow. people know the money will be there. So Oh, yeah and you know Wally Fowler would be there so <laughs> you better have your ducks in a row with that and all so but yeah Leroy Sellers is one of the promoters I worked for at Riverside Speedway that I really enjoyed working for I mean you'd go to the racetrack you'd get in the flag stand he'd come up there and hand you you pay on before look for the race ever start and everything like that and we you know and Riverside was a good track there was a lot of history with Riverside you know the people boys would come down out of North Carolina just to race a little bit and everything like that and put on a, a heck of a show yeah a lot of a lot of people still racing, like you know, Wally Fowler still doing pretty good. He can still handle a race car.
1: Hot Rod still races. Hot though. Rod LeMance
4: does. He's running, I think, Livonia and all like that. And Scott Childers has got that track. He bought it and he's got doing good, real good with it. They got a bunch of big races coming up and all like that. So
1: yeah, I tried. I reached out to Hot Rod. I'm sending him a message on Facebook trying to get him to come on, and yeah. he kind of he kind of ignored me. So if anybody out there listening can get Hot Rod to come on. A checkered passport I'll, I'll
4: put out a word. I know a couple of people that know him and all. I know his his daughter married uh, Jamie Madison's Andy Madison's Jamie Madison's brother Andy. Yeah. And everything like that. And I know Andy because he races at Riverside and all a lot and everything like that. But
1: I'm wanting some dirt legends on here, so it, yeah. would, it would be cool to have. Well, they
4: still quite a few of them out there. Well, Bill Morgan. Well, y'all had him on here.
1: We had that nut on here. <laughs> wow. Bill is a nut. I wish that he would have told stories that he told out there on here. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a statue of limitations, and it's, it's over uh, Oh, he yeah. yeah. He could have cut loose, and he had some good ones.
4: I remember an incident at Fountain Inn with Bill Morgan and all like that in the M1 car come around through there, and he didn't get a real good start. And back then, you know, if you bought the caution out, you went to the rear. He'd come under the flag stand, and I could see him in there taking that on-off switch and just flipping it on and off like a car was missing and stuff like that. <laughs> but he would come in from short track of Talladega, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and not even been there to qualify or practice or anything like that and come back and win the race. Kind of like Gene Morgan would do when he'd come out there the old days at Greenville Pickens that I wished I could have been a part of. I wished I could have worked for the Blackwells for a little bit because, you know, that I went out there to a bunch of races and stuff like that but never got the chance. I talked to Tom about flagging one time, but I think he already had people picked out that he
1: really liked and trusted. So Yeah. I've always wanted to ask that since you've been a flagman yourself and Chuck mentioned it. Have you ever seen any kind of silliness standing, you know, in in the bird's nest, with drivers doing like what he was saying, cutting the cars off or any kind of nonsense?
0: I've seen drivers come by like during practice and maybe a race with shorts on.
1: Oh my god! I have seen
0: that. Of course, we quickly rectified that. But yes, I've seen drivers come to the flag stand wearing shorts. Oh yeah. One on was a um, late model champion whose name's on the wall. Besides, he wanted a few more laps of practice and he just jumped in the car with his shorts on and went out and ran some laps and came in and got out.
1: Well, call him out. Let's talk about how stupid he is for doing it. I have to leave his name's Marty Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, that was pretty stupid.
0: <laughs> well, I saw Marty do that one time in practice years ago.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. He knows better than that. And then we had a driver, I don't remember his name, was in the four cylinder. He won the race and got out in Victor Lane to his interview and <laughs> in had shorts. shorts. Yep.
1: Oh my yeah. God. That, yeah. He that,
0: ran the that, whole race, got out and did his Victor Lynn interview and had shorts on. He'd run the whole race in shorts.
4: The last couple, that was in the last couple of years. Yeah. Holy That cow. was a
0: four cylinder race. Yeah. Call him
1: out too. He was pretty stupid.
0: <laughs> I can't think of who it was. To it, be honest with you. It wasn't Tommy Davis. No. But I'm, no, I'm, I'm. <laughs> no. No, we didn't have any ratchet straps on him. <laughs> no. But no, yeah, it was the guy ran the whole race, got out and did his interview and yeah wow apparently that one got the nascar
1: I'm that one sure. got a little high
0: up the chain yeah
1: because
0: of photo evidence i mean i having his picture taking a victory lane that one got a little high up the chain
1: yeah well i'm disappointed marty's one of my racing heroes and gonna go out there in shorts
0: they did that one day during practice this was years ago this was like this was before i think it's for anything i think it's still whitaker during the whitaker years i think he did it one day
1: huh. marty i'm ashamed you mm-hmm. should you know better than that Crazy rascal. Just just practicing, though. He,
4: <laughs> he it wasn't race ready. Car wasn't quite right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wasn't going that fast. Okay, I'll let him slide. But,
0: but you know, speaking of Greenville, Chuck, what, what got you to Greenville finally? I mean, I know it was after Anthony, Anthony took over. Did he call
4: you? Yeah, he called me and asked me and all, because I think I flagged the first race Anthony ever won and everything like that. And I can remember Anthony used to run Chargers and all down at Anderson like that one night. And he'd got into a scuffle with somebody and they were actually going to put him in the cop car. I went over and talked to the police officer that had him and all like that, and I said, well, let's just escort him out of the track. You know, let's don't take him to jail. Let's, these boys race. They put a lot of time and money into these cars and all like that, you know. Just keep, I'm asking you to give him a break for me and ended up dealing it. So, But, yeah, there's been a lot of people. You know, David Roberts, I remember him racing and in on dirt and stuff like that. Mark Sullivan, I remember his senior – week he went down to Myrtle Beach and missed a race because he walked through a plate glass window in one of the stores down there
1: Good Lord! and
4: everything but you know there's a lot of a lot of friends that still racing I'm glad to say today we've lost a lot of them but there's still a lot of them around that do it and love to do it so no more than I love to do it though I love I love just being around the people and any, <laughs> anything I can do at the racetrack I just about do it so no, there was you. a time or two I'd work for Sylvia for nothing not now but I, I would uh, yeah. to help her and all. So I promised her daddy. He t- he came to me right before he died and all like that. And said, Chuck, he said, please help Sylvia keep this track going. And I said, I'll do what I can and everything like that. And I, I'll, I'd i help her any way possibly I could. So.
1: And she she does a heck of a job. She's, she's She does. I'm going to tell you, though, in my opinion, I love her to death. She's too nice.
4: She is. She and t- she lets – People get away with things that they shouldn't be getting away with. I mean, you know, she's let people get tires and and they hadn't paid for them probably to this very day and all like that. And I can promise you that she's not in it for the money because she's not making any money at it for what she's – if she got paid for what she was getting, the hours that she puts into that racetrack and then the stuff she has to put up with the Drew Brown.
1: (laughs) Drew ain't a hardhead, is he?
4: No, no, Drew, Drew loves racing.
1: Somebody he, needs to iron him out. He's, he's a hard painter.
4: worker. He he gets he gets carried away quickly.
1: Yeah,
0: I know. I say, Chuck, you're a better man than me, because between Dr- Drew and Jeff, I didn't call it a career. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I didn't call it a career between them two. Nah,
4: Drew. He he's a hard worker, and he he's done a lot to help Sylvia, him and his dad with that racetrack, with all the electrical stuff and everything like that. And you know, to me, it's tough being a, a race director. I want to say it's probably one of the toughest jobs. Well, I take that back. Score is the toughest job, but they got the best scorer anywhere in the world racing in this area here, Gloria Barbary,
3: mm-hmm.
4: She is good. I watched her down in Florence one year. The guy was over there with the computer doing all the stuff for scoring cars. She was writing them down quicker than he was doing them on the computer. Unreal. And that was that guy that – he's big in NASCAR talking and stuff like that. But she – she knows how to do it, and all. You know, I worked for her and Larry up at Riverside a little bit, and everything, and all like that. But yeah, it's that's it, right.
1: Her husband had Riverside. Yeah. yeah, he ran
4: Riverside, and then I I think they had something to do with Asheville for a little while. Oh, i when Robert. I don't know who owned it, but Lori and them worked up there, and I think Larry had something to do with it, and all. So.
1: yeah, I think they
0: had something to do with the i eighty five too, for a short period, because she tells stories about it. She
4: worked out there, yes, I know, as a yeah, scorekeeper yeah. and all like that because David Perry out of Spartanburg is the one I flagged for, and then uh, Buddy Kellett out of Malden, he ran it for a year and everything like that, and I flagged for him up there and all. But, yeah, that was that was, that was was a good little old track. You know, it was a half mile and all like that.
0: I know, um, I'll ask you this as a flagman. I know I have mine, but is there like a race or two that was like sticks out as your favorite? That you flagged, maybe it's because of who won or, you know, something. Do you have any just favorites? Good, just good,
4: good, close racing. And the one that really stands out to me is at Greenville Pickens. I called it the Ricky Bobby Show. Ricky Burdett and Bobby Emery ran almost a whole race door to door and never touched each other. And I mean, that that stands out to me. And like I said, it, you know, after that movie came out and all like that, I said, mm-hmm. we had the Ricky Bobby Show here. They put on a show. But, uh, there's so many of them that it's so good. Because I know I'm an official at racetracks, but I'm a fan also. And I'm more a fan than I am, I think, I'm an official. Because I, I just love watching it. So, in any any good race, we had the, one of the races this year, past year at Greenville Pickens, the five car and uh, Michael Motes. they, yeah, put, they that put was on, a good race. They put on a good race. And, you know, everybody says, you've got a favorite race car driver. My favorite race car driver is the person sitting in victory lane at night. Cause you have worked and done, you beat the best of the best that night. So, yeah. and you know, I will always like to go down and shake your hands. Timmy Hutton does the same thing. You do go down and hand him a checkered flag, shake their hand and congratulate him cause they've done
1: something. And that always race. means something as a yeah. driver for you folks to come down yeah. and acknowledge. And, you know, speaking of Michael Moten, you know, I had a good race with him year before last yeah. where we run. 12 laps door-to-door, and yeah. you don't get a better person to race with. than No, thing. no, and, you know, it was
0: good.
4: And even it, uh, when I'm in a truck and all like that, you know, I pull up here at the end of the race and go up and congratulate somebody yeah. and tell them because that's you, you've done your homework. You, you've got it done, and that's something, you know, that's hard to do. I know Rupert Porter was world famous. Don't bring that cheated-up junk back out here at my racetrack <laughs> and everything like that. Rupert. He's done his homework. you know. He comes out here, he practices with you every night you're open to practice. He's here to buy tires and buy fuel and race every night that you're here and everything like that. And I can remember a bunch of, you know, when they first went to Asphalt and all like that, it was was pretty good, good racing and all. Like I said, Donnie Bishop, you know, he was good anywhere he went and all like that. I never got to work around uh, the 16 car, Butch Lindley. Yeah. Any of his races or anything like that. But I knew, I, you know, you hear about him and you've seen all the stuff that he's done and everything like that and go through. But, you know, just all the drivers that have been through there, I think I flagged Chase Elliott's first late model race. Huh. And he wanted Anderson. He run legend cars down there for a while. Uh, I'm having a little old man time here. We're trying to remember some of these drivers. The 28 car. His son come down there. Yeah, Robbie Allison. Robbie Allison. And everything, and he run a time or two. Had some rough luck. He beaten, banged on people, made some people mad. But yeah, a lot of enemies. Yeah, he had quite a few. But Ernie Urban's son come down there. Jarrett, and won a race in a late model and everything like that. And you know, you go back to the old days of Eddie Dalton and Wink Todd and all them boys that run down there for so many years. And strange names like Slob Gloss and all that. Some boy used to run a B Limited car. Oh, I never heard that name. Yeah, B Limited was. A good division down there it's kind of kind of like a super stock at Greenville and everything like that but you know the cars have changed so many times in so many years and everything the way it keeps changing things around but you know I can remember going out to Greenville Pickens and watching a race and there'd be three races in charge of the division you know you'd have what 90 cars they'd run 30 cars in a race yeah. or something like that and it's, I hate to say that those days have come and gone but
1: I'd love to see them come back. I'm thankful to have been part of that driving, when I started driving in 03, we had 28 cars a week in in, in one race. Yeah. So, and that was, if, by Tom's rules, you started the back if you won. So, imagine passing 28 to 30 cars.
4: Yeah. And I guess I could say I got a real hero at a racetrack. And it's somebody that's very close and dear to you, your daddy, I, 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 I thank the world of that man. And I just love hearing his stories. And sit there and talk to him. And this man can go out here and wreck a car and tear it all to pieces and just... Walk like hey, we we got guys that can work on them. <laughs> we get them fixed, and I know y'all have to work on them. But he, you know, I've I've heard some of his stories these last two years at a Greenville Pickens, and he's he's a pistol.
1: He's a very amazing person. Um, he's hard to deal with these days. He's he's seventy, and he's uh, he's very hard to deal with, with being being his son. Yeah, but um, he's he's my hero for sure. I I love to hear everything he's got to say and. He's been there and done it. You can honestly say that. Oh, and believe <laughs> and me, he'll tell some stories, and all of my friends through the years have heard them, and they're like, did that really happen? Yeah. And then I can call people to back him up, and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, he's he's got some. It's, it's amazing he made it to 70. Well, he's a year older than me, though. He's doing good. So. <laughs> he is a ball of fire. Um, we get pulled over out here on the interstates, I beg the police officer, please take his driver's license. He don't need to be on the roads anymore, <laughs> yeah. and he's a, he's a wild one. Yeah, well, well, I appreciate hearing that from you, well, that's,
4: that's, and 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 I mean it. You know, and it's, it's 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 people like that that I've had contact with that have uh, the best memories anywhere around a racetrack. You know, I commit myself to racing. You know, when I sign on with a track, I'm there for every race they have. You know, I do my vacations around it. I even took and my wife wanted to get married. Uh, 1988 and May 22nd, it was a Saturday. I said, okay, we got to get married Saturday morning. <laughs> I got flagged Riverside Saturday night. <laughs> we got married Saturday morning and went to Riverside Flag Saturday night, and me and her and Brian went to Carolines Sunday and spent a little bit of honeymoon
1: and stuff. you still married? Yeah, I'm still married. <laughs>
3: yeah. says, we
4: interrupt this marriage to bring you the whatever That's uh. But all my vacations are planned around that. I've actually gone down to Myrtle Beach and rented a place for two weeks, and then we had a race to come back up here to Greenville. Before I'd come back up here, work the race, and then go back down to Myrtle Beach the next day, and everything like that, and and do all that. But it, it's a commitment you make. It's just like a, you know, a race car driver. You got money tied up in that car. You're going to be there. I've never wanted to get in a race car, and people say, "Well, how come you don't want to? How come you never drove a race car?" I know too many race car drivers. Yeah, I don't want to drive with none of them. So I. Uh,
1: well, my wife gave me down the road because my two my two older ones when I was I was racing pretty hot and heavy when they were born, and she's home raising them. And anyway, fast forward to the now, and she's like, "I know why you were doing all that back then." She said, "You were building something for these boys when they got older." And and that's all it's about now. I don't care anything about sitting in a race car. I want to do what they want to do. And see, and that's
4: what it needs to get back to. We need to get these youngsters involved in this stuff and all like that because that's a that's the future of racing. These young kids and everything like that.
1: Oh yeah, these these two boys of mine. When when he's not at work, he's doing something to a car. And my other one, when he's not at third shift at school, he he does the third shift. <laughs> He's down here sanding on his car and getting it ready to paint and stuff like uh, that. So
4: that, that makes them appreciate that car a whole lot more when they have to work on it. You know, you've got the problem with some of these younger kids nowadays is like some of these guys with the legend cars. You know, they just show up. Mom and Daddy's got all the money in the world. They don't care what they get out there and tear up or anything like that because they're going to fix it, and they don't have to work on it or anything like that. So.
1: Yeah. And I always uh, I look at those legend cars because they're wild, just like what you said. But I want to rewind back to Drew. <laughs> I was down there in the press box one night last year. Maybe you can talk to him. He's a little rough on drivers. Yeah. yeah. And things I heard him say that night, I would have been up there in the press box whipping his tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but the legend cars may have been on the track and that was a good excuse because they're, they're a bunch of little knuckleheads in them cars.
4: Well, and, and that's what I say, you know, and I applaud Drew for being a race director and talking to all the officials and everything like that and making the calls and everything like that. To me, that's, needs to be two separate jobs
2: because
1: yeah.
4: he's, he's sitting there with one radio with two channels and he's trying to flip back and forth. You know, I can hear what he tells them drivers sometimes because he's not on our channel or not on their channel. He's on our channel. Or he can, ho- he hollers at us sometimes
1: yeah. like that and all. Well, but sometimes you don't need a radio to hear what he's saying. No. I, mean, I was standing there and I was like, huh, yeah. let me go but, back down here and sit down.
4: But, I, you know, and, and I know he knows all those legend drivers and he's a legend driver himself and everything like that. And, and. That's one thing about that series; they don't play around with anything. I mean, like he'll say, "You go up to Charlotte and run a race. That's the way you're going to do it. If you don't do it, you're out. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it." So, and well, Mark knows he works <laughs> with the legend cars and everything like that.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I can vouch for that. Yeah,
4: you don't want to go down there and straighten him out.
0: I might need to. <laughs> <laughs> See, this this
4: man loves racing more than I do, as much as he travels and all like that. So, but
1: oh, uh, he must and enjoy it. You're not married, so. Have a blast with that. Yeah, I actually went down there to the dealership
4: the other day and looking at a, a, a prowler they got sitting out on the front line, a purple prowler he's got for sale down there. And I was looking in the walls down there, and I was wanting to see Whitaker and Turner because as much time as he gets off of work from <laughs> there, they go to all these races and stuff like that. But
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Chuck. I need to put on my INEX shirt and come down to Anderson this year and do a, take care of those Legends cars.
4: Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> We had a little guy that worked with, I think, INX.
0: Yeah, what, Ken and Francis? Ken and Francis yeah. and everything I like just that. worked with them at uh, Citrus at Winter Nationals. Okay. They came down and worked with us. Yeah,
4: Ken was real good. Yeah. And, you know, and I was glad to see them going in and checking the dates in the helmets, the dates on the fire suits, and checking all this stuff. I mean, they check a lot of stuff oh, yeah. to make um, sure it's right.
0: We did that at Citrus. We took, let's see, we confiscated three helmets. They were motorcycle helmets. They just had DOT sticker. Huh. They didn't have the SFI. It was just the regular... Motorcycle. We took three of those, and we took one fire suit Yeah, that was too short. And then the same kid that had the fire suit on was too short had on just regular slip-on shoes, and that's what he was out there running in. Hmm. Yeah, when they do the safety checks there, they yeah. take yeah. uniforms, and they take helmets, and if you don't have another one, it's too bad. See, that,
4: that needs to happen hmm. because, you know, like you said, I wouldn't want to put myself in a car that I didn't feel safe in, but some of these boys back in the older days, you know, well, I mean, some of these – Up and Richard Petty and all the cars they used to drive, you know. You see David Pearson with some of that stuff he had in there and all like that, and gum tacked to the dashboard and cigarette and a rag in his mouth and all. But you know that
1: it's a whole different world back then. But I've got a picture in the top of our trophy case. The light's about fading it, but um, my grandfather. It was probably seventy six before that. He died in seventy seven. But he's in a white T-shirt and the window net looks like it's made out of yarn. And, I mean, they just just go out there like it wasn't nothing. I couldn't imagine now. These racetracks now, um, I won't knock our last promoter at Greenville, but, you know, the first couple of years, I seen a little bit of safety checking going on. Yeah. But after that, it didn't go on. And I seen just around our pit too much nonsense. It should have been checked because it could have been bad. Well, like I said,
4: you got these boys that are just starting out with four-cylinder cars and all like that and – there's a couple of them. You know, I've seen one back into the wall down at Anderson Motor Speedway and it backed all the way up to the driver's seat yeah, and everything like that. And, you know, it's just there needs to be more safety stuff checked on these cars. I think they need to be a pre-race inspection just about every time. We used to do it at Fountain Inn and all that stuff. I mean, Jack Suttles, after we found that car with that PVC pipe in it and all like that, you know, we're going to check them. And, all. and I know I think I've been in the pits a time or two when Tom Brown and them had it. They did a lot of safety checks on a lot of stuff. You know, they might periodically check something, but it was safety stuff that had to be checked.
1: Yeah, I think like at the beginning of the season, I see some tracks. You know, will put their sticker on the top yeah. of the windshield. You know, checked by so and so or whatever. That should be done when we ride off. Yeah. Even even if a new car comes in in the middle of the season, hey, get in there and check that car. Cause...
4: Yeah, don't wait to an accident to find something wrong with a car where somebody's yeah. gotten hurt or something like that. You know, oh, was yeah. a, there was a young lady that flipped a car down at Anderson last year, year before last, I think. They got banged up a little bit and everything like that. And then they come to find out the roll bars weren't exactly where they should have been and everything like that. But, yeah, you know, if you're a race car driver, think of yourself and being in that race car, if you ever want to race again, make it right. So.
1: Well, yeah, I had a bad crash at Anderson in 13 and I didn't have a full containment seat. And now I won't get in, get in a car if I don't have a good seat. Um, I love me more than that and, my daddy, he races with no headrest, and I'm like, you're a dummy. <laughs> he
4: He's old school. Let's just call it old school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, were doing stuff like that and all like that. But, yeah, it's it's been, you know, a blessing for me just to meet the people I've
1: met, other people I know in it and all like that, and I wouldn't give it nothing in the world for it. Well, I seen you Saturday. You weren't working too awfully hard. You had a nice chair down there at the end of pit road. And- oh, yeah, a nice little reclining <laughs> chair. And- didn't have the fan i
4: could have used it it was a little warm a little but warm. it was warm but you know yeah larry usually works for her on his practices and all like that and he's had some surgery had part of his intestines moving all he's the ems guy and all but he'll he'll be back soon enough so okay but yeah like i said I, i've always told Sylvie, you know i'll do anything in the world i can to help you at that racetrack because she's been good to me so i had my wife working concession stands down there for a while in the infield and everything like that and I know my mom used to work concession stands at Fountain Inn, and Jack got rid of the racetrack and opened up bingos, and she ran his concession stands at the bingo ballers, and huh. all that stuff. and I didn't know that about Jack. Yeah, Jack, he, he he's someone that could take a quarter and put it in a machine and walk away with a hundred dollars. <laughs> he he had the luck, and yeah. all.
1: So some people just
4: have it. He he was a hard a hard man, but he he was fair. Yeah, he really was fair. So do you see Jackie often? Jackie's had, I went to Jack's funeral, my mom and I did, because my mom worked for Jack, like I said, for years and years and years. And Jackie had a heart attack mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and he's. He's retired now, from my understanding. Yeah, he's not that. doing the pools anymore or anything like that, because he really can't. I mean, I, I seen him sitting up there and everything like that, and I knew his ex-wife Donna, mm-hmm. and I said, is Jackie not here? Well, that's Jackie sitting right there. You wouldn't never recognized him.
1: Yeah, he's I mean, grown his hair out, and he's a. Yeah. Uh,
4: he couldn't get much skinnier. No, I mean, he's thin as a pole and all. And I, like I said, you know, Jackie and I go back a long ways, and I can remember being out there, and they turned a the water truck over one day at Fountain Inn on the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Everything trying to show out and all like that. And then we had one of our guys, Calvin Pollard, was driving a race car that Jackie and them built, and Jackie would sneak out there. Calvin couldn't get their time to qualify or heat racing. Jackie would drive it in heat races and everything like that. And then we was all that group that went to all these NASCAR races that Bubba took us to and all. Eddie Ellison was one of the guys, and he liked to drink when he goes. He'd totally get drunk. We went to Atlanta one time and got fogged out at a race. He thought we'd done run the race and everything (laughs) and everything. And then I never will forget, we went to Darlington another time, and like I said, I had this customized van with the couch in the back and the seats and all that stuff, and Eddie sat there and took a cigarette and put it out on Calvin's neck. He didn't been drinking and all. So I said, we're we'll going to stop this. I pull off to the side of 26. Y'all get out here and settle it. Then you can get back in my truck. We ain't going no <laughs> further. So we get out there, and they get out there, and they exchange words a little bit and all like that. And Calvin climbs back in the truck, and Eddie says, I'm walking home. Okay. I drove off and left him. He beat us home. <laughs> good He's born. hiking and everything, because we stopped at Ryan's to eat and all like that. And then we went to Atlanta at that fogged-out race. Eddie got good and drunk and everything like that, and. Uh, he said i'm'm I'm, I'm walking home I'll get home best way I can okay his wife Susie calls me the next morning she said Eddie ain't come home yet said he I got a call from him a minute ago you need to go get him I said I'm not going back to Atlanta he ain't in Atlanta he's in Greenville Tennessee he was hitchhiking arrived with a truck driver and said I'm going to Greenville and the truck driver said, that's where I'm going and then Greenville Tennessee he got to get home the best way he can sweetheart Wow <laughs> but yeah they there was a crowd. Bubba was a big old boy. He run this gas station. They took Brian. We had them little four wheelers, and they called him Two Trees, and everything like that. And Bubba, once you got to the top of the, this is when the stands was on the other side of Darlington. When you got ready to leave, all you had to do was get in behind Bubba because he'd start down them steps, and was nobody gonna get in his way. And Bubba probably weighed three hundred pounds if he weighed pounds. So, but he he was something else. But like I said, I went to a whole bunch of races with him. And, and everything like that.
0: Well um so you obviously you flag but you do the cleanup too. Which which is your favorite or is there one you prefer over the other? Flagging or working the cleanup truck?
4: I like flagging. I really do like flagging because you, you're kind of in control of things. Like I said, it's changed so much nowadays with all the electronics and all keeping all this stuff up and not having to worry about who's in what place and who's been lapped and all that stuff. I like the, the cleanup truck because it's air conditioned, <laughs> <I'll> be honest <laughs> with you. And, you know, we got a real nice truck down there at Anderson and L. like that that Kevin Brookshire donated to the track and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've worked with some real good people, James Madden. One of my best friends ever racing. James has done a bunch around all these racetracks and everything like that. I'm glad to have my son with me last year in both trucks and everything like that and all, because that means a lot to me, because in that truck, two heads are better than one.
0: Yeah, I know. um, (laughs) Last year, Brian had to run it. A lot of times, you'd start out in the truck and get put in the flag stand. I'd be up in the tower. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, that's that's when you skipped a race or you did something wrong, so... He's being punished. <laughs> Don't even bring
0: that up. I got fired and refired and suspended and unsuspended more than anyone else and those years ain't hit that track.
4: But but you know you was needed, that's the main thing. And you made it to race director. So Yeah, I didn't make yeah. it to race director. Yeah, I, yeah. That's something I'm I'm not interested in, like I said, scoring or race director or anything like that. So
0: A lot of times I do I wouldn't even be at the racetrack, I'd do something. And get fired for a race.
1: Well didn't you make a speech about not gonna be out there anymore and then you were back out there the next year?
0: Yeah, well, it was on, I was on a fill in basis. Yes, I left to go do my other stuff, but, you know, well, it all started out. I shut up for a race, and Anthony's like, Well, anytime you want to come around, he said, You know, come on. Then about a week later, he calls me, What you doing this weekend? I was like, I don't know. He said, Well, I'm needing to run to Kansas. I don't know if you'd fill in for me. Well, that's kind of how it
1: would go. Oh.
4: Nice to be needed, Zach. So. Yeah. And, you know, hey, Mark, Mark has done a lot around racetracks and all like that. I know.
1: Oh, he's I've I've seen him do it all too. You you were lucky. You've done everything, but to to come through the Whitaker era and have uh, to yeah, deal with yeah. all what he done, he needs some kind of lifetime achievement award.
4: Yeah, and I never worked for Kevin Whitaker either. I, I know uh, his daughter was out there at a race one night or something like that, and she was trying to move everybody back, and I was trying just to get around. I just didn't like her attitude, but, you know. Well, they've all got the same. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah.
0: Well, you talk about being cussed like a yard dog. During those winter years, and I was running the racetrack, when I was out there during the week, it was never about what I did. It was always about what I hadn't done.
1: Yeah. He cussed me like a yard dog one night, and I, turned, I returned the favor. Well, I know, like
4: I said, you know, a lot of people have talked about the Browns and all like that and everything like that. You know, if they liked you, they cussed you. Yeah. That's what I figured. Uh, That's like, the way Rupert
0: Porter was. The way Tom was. Yeah. First Boy. time Tom cussed me, I started crying because of joy. I knew, Then he liked me.
1: <laughs> he must have loved my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, Rupert Porter, he was that way, you know. But Rupert Porter, I honestly got to say, that man loved that racetrack. Yeah. Now, he couldn't read real well or write real well or anything like that, but he could tell you. You know, footage and all that stuff with all that pipe and stuff that he did. And that racetrack was his passion. He he loved it, you know. I didn't know Charlie Mize. That was before my time and all like that when it was dirt. I knew Dot Mize, his wife when she worked. She cooked all the hamburgers in the infield and stuff like that. And, you know, that that little track has come a long, long way. I remember, like I said, when it was dirt and you had the Dixie Twister, Billy Scott, and all them boys out there running on any given night or anything like that. And, like I said, I ran... I'd work Sugar Creek on Thursday nights, uh, Anderson on Friday nights, and Fountain Inn on Saturday nights, and everything like that.
1: We could go to Anderson on Friday night and run last, and go to Fountain Inn on Saturday night and win against the same guys we run against yeah, Anderson the night yeah. before, and it yeah. was mind blowing. My daddy could not get around Anderson Speedway.
4: Well, when it was dirt, you know, you had where you go across the pits, it had that little old hump in it, and that would throw you off a whole lot and everything like that. So,
0: I know I got, um, I'll share with you, I only had one Rupert Porter story. I only met him one time, and I don't even remember. It was, I don't know, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. The past series was run at Peach State. It's before it became Grassland. I think it was still Peach State. And I went down there, and I was sitting up in the suite. And Rupert was up there. I'd never met him. When somebody introduced me to him, he started talking. About five minutes into it, I turned to the person I was with and said, oh, my God, I said, Tom Blackwell has a twin. (laughs) Was exactly what I said. Does it sound just like, close your eyes, it sounds just like Tom carrying on.
1: (laughs) Rupert asked Dad to bring that that station wagon when they had back, they had Super Renegades or whatever. You know, that was a super stock car. And, um, dad went down there and run. He he told him, he said, come down here and play and have a good time. He said, I hear the fans love this car and I want you there. He said, but you can't finish no better than fourth. He says, you run in against a different type of car. Dad said, I don't mind. Well, he goes down there and finishes fourth. Well, first three cars got disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, John Cordell was in the tech shed and he was crying. If you know, John, that's pretty much what he does. And, uh. He, he was sitting there crying the blues about cheating this and cheating that. And my dad reached around him and got his check, and he said, y'all boys need to uh, quit you cheating down here. He says, y'all could win more races. <laughs> it, it was pretty pretty comical for daddy to come yeah. in there and rub it in.
4: That's another job I, couldn't, I wouldn't do would be a tech man because, well, you know, I've always been a firm believer. If you hire somebody to do a job, let them do their job. Yeah. But have the right person in that job to do it and all like that. And that's. You know, like I said, all these different tracks I worked at, I've had a good understanding with every one of the promoters and everything like that, that, you know, we'll do it and do it. But when I hold the driver's meeting, that's the rules for tonight. So you can change it next week if you want and come back and do something. So
1: Yeah. I I think the most fairest tech man that I've ever seen and a man that wanted to do his job but wasn't let do his job would be Greg Dodgins. Yeah. I feel Mm. like that, you know, he's seen it. Being on this side of the fence and and done it, and I think he would call it, you know, and he 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 would call his own car wrong if it was wrong, but and he knows, you
4: know, what to do, what to check, and everything like that, and how oh to do yeah. it. So
1: he would be the if I was going to open up an asphalt track and wanted to have my teching done on the lower tier cars, yeah, Greg Dodgins would be the man I would have yeah. doing it.
4: He's, he's another one. He's a good friend of mine and all like that. You know, I love seeing him at the racetracks and his rat rods and all that stuff that he does. And,
1: oh, he's and a – my youngest son stays down around their pit and torturing Greg and Robin and Mike Mote and all. So, bless their heart for having to put up with him. when I Yeah, they had the Darnells and all down there Saturday practicing in Anderson and all like that.
4: They said they wouldn't make every race because it's quite a haul and everything like that. But that, that's a good group there. They've always had some pretty cars. I can remember – up at Traverse Road Speedway and all, Robin would have some of the prettiest cars and and good running cars. Oh yeah, real good running cars. So.
1: Well, that's a a group of folks. I mean, I think the world of them. They're they're related to us. You yeah. know, Robin's grandpa was my grandpa's brother. But um, a good group of people, and I wouldn't ever make them jokers mad because they. Uh, Robert <laughs> is a mule. I think he. <laughs> He could probably tie both of his arms behind his back and beat the snot out of you.
4: Yeah, well, he, he he's down there Saturday and all like that, and he said, I can't come to Anderson all the time, he said, because <laughs> I'd, I'd get in too many fights, I think. so.
1: I seen him, uh, he just kind of backhanded the guy across the chest uh, down there a couple of years ago, or maybe been last year, and that guy flew 15, 20 foot across the tech shed. I was like, <laughs> glad that was you and not me. That's like a guy that used to run it. Travers rest and all like that name gabby owens
4: gabby was a logger he was a big old stout boy and all like that and he didn't mind telling you what to, he thought of you or anything like that. i seen him come out of a race car one night after finishing a race and somebody up in the stands had said something to his wife or something like that and he went up there and he straightened him out real quick uh, but yeah, Gabby's another one. He passed away with cancer and all a couple of years ago. But I can remember he come out there and he was just flat out leading the race and all. Had the car set up running good and all like that, and one lap to go, runs out of gas. Oh lord! <laughs> so I always gave him a hard time about you know let's make sure we got gas in that thing, Gabby. So
1: it's better to run out, after, you know, during the race than right there at the end leading. Well, I mean, I've, I've run out sitting on pit road to go qualify. <laughs> Brian Ramey said, ain't got no gas in it. Ain't got no gas in it. That was pretty dumb. Oh, well, we appreciate you coming on. and. I appreciate you having me. And, and
4: I just wish I could, you know, a lot of stuff, good stuff I forgot and all like that. And it kind of comes back and this brings a little bit of it back and all like that. Like I said, I'm just so blessed to have met so many people, race car drivers, families, you know, and Something I respect more than race car drivers or the wives of race car drivers, the moms and dads of these boys that are out there racing and everything like that, because it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to do it right, you got to you got to commit to it. So
1: if you're gonna go, go all out. Yep. And uh, it's it's been a as my my poor wife's put up with it for we've been together 25 years and she's been she's been at the racetrack ever since. Man.
4: Well, my first date with my wife.
1: I went through a divorce,
4: gosh, back in 95, I think it was. I fought for custody of my two children, Brian and my daughter, and I got custody of both of my children, which was hard for a man to do back then and everything like that. And Judy came to work for me at Roper Mountain Science Center. That's my other passion. I've been with at Roper Mountain Science Center for 43 years. Really? Yeah. i Pretty much, well, I built the whole living history farm, went and took all those log cabins apart log by log and bought them back in there and put them together. And she came to work for me, cleaning one of the buildings and everything like that. And she'd been married for 30 years, and her husband was a truck driver. And he had him a little girl that worked in one of these cafes or something like that, and she called him. So we ended up talking to each other and everything like that and kind of hit it off real well. And the first race I took her to was I-85 Speedway. And everything like that, and then she went to all of them there for a while. She don't want them to do them now, so she's Wally huh? She's, she's a Wally, Wally Fowler out. nut. She got in the car with Wally Fowler one night at Riverside, <laughs> and he took her wide open, setting in the floorboard around that car, no helmet no nothing on like that. After he won a race, she's a Wally Fowler nut. But she's she's my blessing. She's she's been good to me.
1: That's good. It's always had. It's always good to have a good solid.
4: Well, that's our backbone. I mean, that, yeah. you're not a real good, perfect man if you don't have a perfect woman with you. And I, I can honestly say I've got one. So, she's been good to me. She's been been through a lot with her second ground of cancer and all a couple of years ago. But she's doing real well and all now. So
1: That's good to hear. She just
4: don't go to races with me no more. So
1: Yeah, I can't get my wife to go either. She's done seen enough left turns. <laughs> well, we, most of them
4: Judy went to were dirt tracks and all like that. She, you know. Didn't like all that dirt and everything flying and all. i know Billy Brown, his mama Pearl, Judy and her would sit together at Riverside every night up there in the stands and everything like that. So, like I said, I've been blessed with the racetracks and it's it's you know back when I first started, twenty five dollars and a couple of green hot dogs wasn't bad, but it's <laughs> it actually pays pretty good and all now.
1: So. Oh yeah. Well, I know one thing though. It's been a it's been a blessing to meet you and get to know you and. Uh, I always talk to you at the tracks on the weekend. You're, you're a hell of a guy in my eyes.
4: I appreciate that. I try to make my rounds to a lot of people. And all I, you know, I don't make them to all of them because I don't know them all, but the ones I know I like to go talk to. Cause I like to share stories with them and everything like that. So, but, And I hope I can just keep on doing it for a few more years. So. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be. Somebody said, when are you going to retire from Roper Mountain Science Center? I said, when I can't do it no more, I guess. So.
0: Didn't they already retire you one time and brought you back?
4: I retired in 2008. <laughs> Dr. Penny Fisher was a superintendent. She said, we don't want you to go nowhere, so we're going to bring you back. you got to be out one day, and we're going to count Saturday as your day out. We're going to bring you back at the same salary, same benefits, and you can draw your state retirement. So, okay, that was after 28 years.
0: Talk about being nice to be needed, huh? Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, I do love my job. You know, I love my racing more than anything else, but I do love my job at Roper Mountain Science Center. It's a super neat place, and it's a good place for the kids to come to and you know, further their education and see a whole lot of stuff because everything. You know, when I went to school, you went to a museum, you didn't touch nothing. Everything at Broken Mountain Science Center is hands-on. I always say it's a 62-acre project that you come in, you go down to the living history farm, you go back in time. You go up to the Hall of Science and everything like that. You're in the present time, technology and all. You go to the planetarium and the observatory, you're looking at the future. So you got past, present, and future in 62 acres. I lived on site there for 33 years and everything. When I got divorced, I went to our director, and I said, I'll just buy me a mobile home. I'm going to try to get my kids and everything like that, and we'll live here. So me and my two kids lived there, and then I met Judy, and she wanted a bigger kitchen, so we bought a modular home and sat down there, and they just built this new $10 million building a couple years ago, the environmental building, and said, well, you know, we really don't want a modular home sitting there looking out this big, fancy back window, so I said, okay, it's time for me to move, so I bought a house over off Pelham Road been uh, four years now I think so. Yeah. Not not too far. Oh, well oh
0: so you're over there on the millionaire's road. No, so no. Apparently no, you no, are doing no, well no, in no, racing.
4: No, no, <laughs> no. No, not the millionaire. No, Kevin's you know, he he's got a gold mine where they bought all that wide and in Roper Mountain Road. I guess I couldn't throw a rock from my house to his, but you could shoot a gun and hit his window. So I'm over in the
0: Coach Hills area of we'll, Pelham Road. We'll keep that in mind. <laughs>
1: So what time is target practice? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say that. Nah.
0: Do we have an edit button?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a huge fan of Kevin Whitaker, if anybody don't know that.
0: Steve, I heard you were a card-carrying member, and you hit fan club membership number one. You were the first to join.
1: I'm the first. I love Kevin Whitaker. Said no one. Again, do we have an edit
0: button? (laughs) But no, um, Chuck, I just want to say that, you know, I didn't know you before you came to Greenville, but I want to say it's been an honor for me not only get to know you, but to be able to work with you. Well, because I was taught a long time ago that when you get a team you know, that, yeah. that's good and does their job, that you always keep them in place. You uh, know, you, if you go, you try to take them with you. and yeah. You're one of those people, and all the years I've worked in racing, going back to 2004, four five when I started, you're one of those people that I would handpick at the end of the day to be in my group, and there's probably not – 10 people that I would pick, but you're one of them I would pick. I appreciate it. And I just that. want to say it's an honor for me, though, to have gotten to know you as a friend and work with you.
4: Well, it's an honor for me to hang out with the mayor <laughs> and oh. some of the women he hangs out with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hang out with the women, but Mark's, he's got a few. <laughs>
1: um, I'm going to say this on air. You hang around better women in Florida than you do in South Carolina.
0: That is correct, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my Daytona secret is not a Daytona secret anymore.
1: <laughs> no, she's a looker.
0: Put it this way. I rearranged my schedule for the year. I'll be back there in August for a cut weekend. <laughs> that alone? Well, that's the first one I got pinned in.
4: <laughs> yeah, I just, like you said, I hope, you know, everything does work out for Greenville Pickens and to get something to go. And if they need any kind of help in a clean-up truck or the flag stand, I'd be more than happy to come out there and help them, so work with them.
1: Well, I know a little bit of things is going on, so I'm going to ne- definitely keep you – uh
0: and same thing at Anderson. If you need some help flagging, All right. just call me. Okay? We, we Don't you. tell Jeff until I show up, okay? But right. You can call me. I'll come help you.
1: I'll get him to take pictures from the flag stand that night. Yeah. <laughs> what? Me,
0: pictures of me being pushed out, accidentally pushed out?
1: Or pushing him out?
0: Yeah. Well, either way, there'll probably hmm. a body come out of the flag stand. <laughs>
1: yeah. Huh. That's not nice.
0: It's not. Do we have an edit button?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's broke. Well, Chuck, we won't keep you a whole lot longer. We uh greatly appreciate you coming out this way and I know it's a little ways away from Pelham Road, but uh, um, hey,
4: we're all right. I travel that interstate from there to Anderson every Friday night. That's so.
1: true. And I was gonna put you on the spot last week and um when our guy canceled and I was like, you know what, I can't I'm sure you probably could have worked it out Dove. come on in, but yeah. I was like, I didn't get to promote you and I'd rather not, so we just yeah. went in and took the week off. <clears throat> Excuse
0: me. I, I told Steve. I said unless he's at the beach, he's available twenty four
4: oh, yeah. seven. I'll I, I do anything I can for racing to keep it up. Like I said, get all these young kids out there we can start it on this stuff and keep it, keep racing
1: going. So. That's that's the biggest thing. I want to. I love Greenville Pickens. I mean, I, I I love Anderson. I'm a champion down there. I love that, and I'm not trying to brag on myself. But I mean, I love racing in general. But I, I've been going to Greenville Pickens since I was yeah. I mean, I say that I was two weeks before I was born. My dad was racing at Anderson, so
4: I, I love I love Greenville, Pickens too, just for the history. Yeah, I when mean, you go out there and you look at the names on that back wall and everything like that, you know, and it's hard to believe. I'd have loved to been all a part of all of that and everything like that. You know, when it was dirt yeah. and all like that. I still go and watch that 1971 race and all on the internet every chance I get and everything like that.
1: I'm ashamed to say I've never watched that. I it, need to. Yeah,
4: you do because it is it's it, it's it's something else so. And like I said, I've gone out there, you know, when we'd have rain outs or something at Fountain Inn, and it didn't work for raining at Greenville Pickens, gone out there and watched a bunch of races and stuff like that and and loved it and all.
1: But that was – our little show was to, you know, keep history alive out there and to promote it. Um, Lord willing, we're going to have a little track to talk about this year, and maybe we can announce weekly results from Greenville Pickens this year. Let's, let's, let's hope that's in the future. And It sounds, sounds pretty promising. So we'll see how that goes.
4: I hope it works out.
1: Oh yeah, oh Chuck in the truck, everyone. Thank you for tuning in.
4: Thank you for having me, sir. Good to see good old friends.
1: So this week's sponsor is spotlight brought to you by Gene's Alternator and Starter. Um, we'd like to feature the Double alt Injury Lawyers Law Firm. Um, they've stepped up and jumped, you know, helped us out on uh, naming the studio after them. Um, double alt is, uh, he specializes in workman's compensation, personal injury and car accidents. Um, check Brian and Samuel harms out. Um, Brian is, uh, he's like family to my family. He is a super awesome guy, uh, loves racing and, um, he come on board, you know, to, to be our title sponsor or studio title sponsor and help us out um but just because of the you know we're talking local racing and he like i say he absolutely loves double uh, racing and um i'd like to see him drive a car one of these days it would be pretty cool pretty cool to see but um we'd like to thank him for everything he's done um personally for myself and you know for this podcast uh he's he's a huge impact in making this show go and um you know, like I say, really really grateful for Brian. Um, check them out, the Double Double Injury Lawyers Law Firm. Uh, if you need anything, um, like I say, workman's comp, personal injury, or uh, car accidents. Check check those guys out. And thank you. And this was our weekly sponsor spotlight, brought to you by Gene's Alternator Starter.